0: Welcome to the aggressive life. Being aggressive means trying new things. And that's what we're going to do this summer for the month of July. The podcast is going to go live. That's right. We're going to replay some of my favorite moments recorded live and on location to give you a different side of aggressive living. I hope these talks push you to keep moving this summer. There are no wasted months. Now is the perfect time to take life by the horns and make it work for you. So to get us started, a talk recorded just a few months ago at a hangout in Nashville, Tennessee. We had 200 guys come out in camp, and I could see their eyes light up as I gave this final talk of the weekend. So do you want more? You should. Let's get to Nashville. I going to tell you a story this morning that um, if you've been around church, it's one of the favorite stories that that uh, that pastors love to tell, because it's one of those stories that just makes you feel like dirt. you know, <laughs> a lot of pastors just love like I just tell you, when, when you when you have to give new content like every single weekend, it, it, it's daunting, uh, that doesn't happen in any other industry. No one has to write a new book every week. Uh, these guys up here, some of them have had huge hits, songs. They don't have to hit it, do a new song every week. Motivational speaker guy, he doesn't have to. He just does the same six or seven things over and over. Like every week you got to do something new. It's, it just gets arduous. And so you want to take shortcuts. And it is easy, it is incredibly easy to give people law and judgment and you suck. That's easy. It really is. Don't do this. What's your problem? That's a problem with people these days. Those are seriously, those are the easiest talks to give. It's much harder to um, just give some of the finer points of God's identity. Uh, talk about things that you could be misunderstood for. Talk about things that take a bit more creativity. And this story here, if you've been around church for a long time, you, you've heard part of it, but I'll, I'll tell, you it, tell you it anyway. Because the second part, I'm always positive you've never heard. David is the king in waiting for the nation of Israel. Saul is the first king and this guy's got problems. This guy's got issues. And he finally, he finally dies. And, um, and that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But he finally dies and now David is king. And just imagine in your life, wherever you work, like if you were the CEO of the company you work for or if you were the owner of the company you work for or if you're on a church staff, if you were the senior pastor of the church where you were at or if you were the whatever, whatever. Just think, like, if I had that guy's position, that woman's position, who was like, what would I do? Like I thought before, if I became the president of the United States, which I'm never going to, but if I ever was, the very first day I'm taking Air Force One out and I'm going to instruct the pilot to do barrel rolls with Air Force One. I just want to <laughs> I want to see what that thing If I am, if I'm working for Winchester, I'm going to go to where the newest guns are. I'm going to say, uh, if I'm I'm the CEO of BMW, I'm going to have them make me a motorcycle that probably would never be able to be bought, but I would like it. And you're going to have all you German engineers make me the exact bike I want, you know. David, his his first gig as king, he says, oh, I know what I want. I know what I want. That is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, this thing that would go before Israel into battle and had this power in it and, there's some future guy of my descendants named Steven Spielberg going to have a movie about it and <laughs> it's going to melt people's faces off, the Nazis' faces off, and, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that thing out. Let's just, let's just bring that. Let's have a parade. Let's have a parade. He pulls that thing out and they start marching with it. And here's what it says. They, they put it on this cart and it's coming along. And all of a sudden it hits a it hits a rock and the Ark of the Covenant starts falling off this this uh, this cart in Uzza, It says this in Uzzah put his hand out to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God." Now, that'll preach right there. That, this, this, is, this is Sermon's dream right now. This is a pastor's dream. Don't touch it or you will die. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's part of why we talk about porn as often as we do. It's not just because it is an issue for us as men because we're visually stimulated, Um, but it's not about the The dangers of that, it becomes, this is the easy whipping boy for me to just be talking about. Don't do this. Don't. Look at Uzzah. Look at Uzzah. This is the problem with our life. When we're not, we're being sloppy. The the idea here is David was not transporting the ark properly. He was supposed to have priests doing it. It was supposed to be in acacia poles, the whole rigmarole. And he was disqualifying all that stuff. And he was sloppy and Uzzah dies. And, And there's something there to it. You can't do sloppy things in your life and expect there not to be ramifications. God does have standards. Okay? But that's only the beginning of the story. The most important part of the story is something I'm really excited about, which I, I'd never heard a sermon on before. Here's what happens. So David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. Wait a minute. Are you angry or are you afraid? So first he's angry because he's thinking, what? God, what the heck? What the heck? I'm, I'm, I'm putting this on a brand new cart. I'm bringing something that you instituted out into the light. And this this, this innocent guy, or as judge said, this poor bastard, <laughs> Just he's trying to keep the ark from hitting the dirt and you kill him. What, what God, what is wrong with you? And then he's afraid because I think in that moment he goes, oh, no, that's right. There were all these conditions and all these circumstances about how you're to treat the ark. And I just bark and I just blew by all those. So now he's afraid, like, oh, my goodness, did I just disqualify myself like Saul did? This king before me who didn't honor God's ways and God said, you're done. Am I now that guy? Have Have I forfeited my place? Have I disqualified myself? Is God not going to use me? Anyone feel like that in here today? I just got a divorce. There we go, one guy. I'm mean, Before I give you examples, anyone feel like or have fears like, I don't know that God can use me. Maybe my best is behind me. Maybe now I'm going to be living a plan B life. You want to admit that you just, you just feel that way, right? You know, like, oh, no, man. <laughs> OK, I got divorced. I know God forgives me, but, you know, my life is, you know, I'm done. I'm done. You know, or if you if you are, have been brought up to believe that you need to save yourself for marriage sexually, and all of a sudden you're 16, and you succumb and you you lose your virginity, you go, I, I blew it, I blew it, I can't, I can't. Or or you you have a DUI, and not just the public shame with that, but you go, oh, is it? Is it it's it, it's over. Or you 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 have some something on your record, or you, you just go, oh, it's over. David's feeling this way, I think, right now. So. He wants to minimize the damage. So here's what happens. How can the Ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the Ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. David's like, i gotta, I got to get rid of this thing. What do I do? I, 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 can't, I can't handle this anymore. I can't risk it. i gotta, I got to step away. We're, we're, i got to drop this off someplace. Where, where's the closest place I could drop this off? Someone says, well, there's Obed-Edom the Gittite. He goes, oh, Obed-Edom the Gittite. Sucks to be you with that name. But OK, that's fine. Well, I'll drop it off. So he, he drops it off and he does like a, a blackjack dealer at Vegas who's checking out after a, ship. He put, a shift. He puts it down and he's like, Back away, You're like done, I'm done. He just steps away, he goes, oh, it's, it's your problem, your deal. And he just leaves it and it's there for three months. Now, here's the cool part. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. We don't know how he blessed them, but Lord blessed him and all his household. There's sometimes in the Bible where the Bible is intentionally nebulous because if it was specific, it wouldn't be relevant to all of us. Like, there's a, like there is a um, verse in the New Testament that says that Paul says he has a thorn in the flesh. And I prayed the Lord to take away the thorn in the flesh, but he's told me, my grace is sufficient for you. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh is. Some people think it might be his eyesight. Some people might think it's, well, we, we just don't know. And so since if we knew it was his eyesight, then most of us who don't have bad eyesight or can correct it with glasses will go, Okay, whatever. That was Paul's deal. I can't really relate to it. But when you talk about all of us, have at least one thing that you just can't get over. All of us have at least one affliction that just won't leave you. All of us have one thing you just can't get over that's a thorn in your side. Maybe it's your bad back. Maybe it's your type 1 diabetes. Maybe it's your addiction. Maybe it's the father wound that your father just never told you he's proud of you and you just you just can't stop trying to prove that you don't need him. Maybe it is maybe it, I, all of us probably have something like that. I could give a whole talk on that. I'm not going to right now. I'm just saying nebulous sometimes is good. So when it says the Lord blessed over to Edom and all his household. Like, how? How? What's interesting, if God uniquely blessed you, it might not feel like a blessing for the person next to you, but it is to you. So since we don't know what happened with Obed-Edom the Gittite, we can all go, what would that look like for God to bless me? I wonder sometimes, what might it look like for Obed-Edom the Gittite? Because word gets back to David that great stuff is happening in his life. Obed-Edom the Gittite. Word gets back to him. You go, well, like, how would word get back to the king? that He would hear, hey, remember that Obed-Edom guy? You I mean the Gittite, the guy with the crappy name? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Do you, do you understand what's been happening? Because it's, it's, it's a buzz inside the neighborhood. What could those things be? Like, did he go walking in his backyard and he tripped on something, he looked down and it was a, like a, it was a rock, but then it was gold and he, had, he was on a gold mine. There's a gold mine right underneath his backyard. That'd be kind of cool. Did, did, did his wife have a big, nasty wart in her nose and just fell off one day? <laughs> did, 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 did his neighbor's, hear his family constantly fighting and bickering and now all the neighbors hear their family laughing? Did they have a long lost child that they couldn't find and they didn't know where, where he was and all of a sudden he came back? Did, was, there, was there weather patterns? Unusual weather patterns were right over his property. It was the perfect weather patterns and his crops were taking off because of the weather patterns that were just over his, his land. Was... I mean, just it's, well, all of a sudden, could he do 400 push-ups? <laughs> I and mean, we go on and on and on. There. So what, what does David do with this? Does David sit there and go, crap, darn it. I, should, I shouldn't have given up that ark. Here, here's what happens. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of the Lord. So David Went up and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. He goes, Really? That ark? You mean like good stuff's happening for him? Really? All right, I want it back. <laughs> I want it back. And he goes back and takes it back. Now, here again, here again is 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 an anti-church, anti-pastor thing. Well, David should be just content with what he has. Well, David should, you know, let somebody else have some good things in his life every once in a while. Well, David forfeited his thing, and so he shouldn't. No, there's no, there's no ding on David here at all. David is a man after God's own heart. And so if you were to title what I'm talking about today right now, it would be this. David always wanted more. He wanted more. He wanted more responsibility. That's why when he comes up and he has the opportunity to go against Goliath, he says, I'll do it. In fact, when he goes to do Goliath, there's another sermon you might never heard. Everyone's heard the story of David and Goliath. What you probably never heard talked about, though, is before he goes out to fight Goliath, he asks, what shall be done for the man who takes down this uncircumcised Philistine? He wants to know, like, What's in it for me? What do I get? It's actually one of the things that motivates him to go take down Goliath. He, it is a stain on, on Israel's reputation. It is a stain on the reputation of God that you have somebody who doesn't know God who's threatening and making people who, who apparently are supposed to know God cower in fear. But David goes, what should be done for the man? Well, you will get the king's daughter. You will get this amount of gold. You're in it. OK, I'm in. All right, I'm in. The Bible says we should be content with all circumstances. And all of us have been blessed by God in many ways. And all of us need to learn to be content with where we are. That's a real legitimate thing. Not striving to get more to prove that I'm a man, not striving to get more to prove that my dad was wrong, that I'm amounting to something, not striving to get more because I want to compete with the person in my next door to have all the toys he has. There is a sense of contentment. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you have to want more. And if you don't want more, you're not going to get more. And David is a man after God's own heart, because guess what? God wants more. He wants more of your life. He wants more of your heart. He wants more people in our country to be following him. He wants more of his ways on He wants more and David wants more. Do you want more? More what? Well, it's just kind of the blessing thing. There's all different kind of ways we're blessed. All different kind of ways you can get more. i just tell right now, I want more. I want more. I want more of everything. I want more I want more people. I want more grandkids. i got two right now. I want more grandkids. I want more motorcycle trips. I want more cool, expensive things bolted onto my truck. I want more opportunities to speak with more men. I want more men in an environment like this. I want more spiritual gifts. I read them in the Bible. There's some freaky ones in there, right? Tongues. I don't speak in tongues. I want them, though. Pray for me. I want them. I want them all. Prophecy, interpretation, all, all the weird ones that people have different understanding. Whatever they are, I want them all. I want them. Bring them. I want them all. I don't, I don't have all of them, but I want, I want them. I want more. I've got a uh, project going on at the house right now. I'm, I'm getting a pool put in, which, uh, which is a very expensive endeavor. And, and it's a very stupid endeavor, too, really, financially. I mean, you just, you know, if you want something good to do with your money, it's not put it in the ground. It just doesn't, it doesn't bring any value to your house. But you know why I'm, I'm doing that project? because I want more with my family. I'm willing to pay to have them spend more time with me. Because if I don't do something that makes them want to be around me, they're not going to be around me. I want them to, I want more time with my grandkids. I want more time with my kids. I want, I want, I want more of that. I want more people to buy my books, which wouldn't be bad because, like, no one buys them. In fact, I can't even give them away. Guys, I have free books over here. you take taking free, any <laughs> freaking free books. You know, you know how that makes me feel? I want more people to take free books. I don't understand that. I want more flexibility in my hamstrings. I want I want more people coming to the church that I pastor. I want more. I want more people to come out of poverty as a result of my giving. I want, I, I just want more. Do you want more? Do you want more? I, honestly, I, 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 I got to ask that because all of us would take something just dropped out of the sky for us. But I just find guys don't want to don't work for more. You've got to figure out what you want more of and you have to go after that because you can't have more of everything. You can't be more better, well read, and you can't have more physique because you're working out, however, and you can't have more time with your kids, and you can't have more time at the office, and you can't have more up on all the latest shows to binge on Netflix, and you can't have more of everybody else approving of your choices. There's some things you can't have, but you gotta figure out what you do want, and you gotta go after that, and you've got to want more. It is an okay thing for a man of God to want more. In fact, if God wants to pour his stuff inside of somebody's life, who else would he want to pour it inside of than one of his sons? One of the people who is wired to take care of his things and to push forward his agenda. David, he goes back to Jerusalem or actually the city of David, actually two different places, go back to the city of David and he he buys for everybody in the city. He buys them portion of meat, cake of bread and cake of raisins. So he basically pays for a meal for everybody. And raisins, cake of raisins, this is a delicacy. It wasn't like I'm going to allow you to subsist. I want to bless you. When a man of God comes before God, he wants to be a blessing to people around him. You should be leaving here today if God has given you anything, if he's poured anything into you. And I've heard some stories that God's done some really good stuff inside of y'all, you should be going out and people should sense there's something different about you because you want to leave them better than you found them. We have over here, we have a a, a baptismal, it's not a horse trough, it's actually never been used by a horse, but we just went down and bought one or Amy Grant went down and bought one and uh, filled up with water and we're going to give you the opportunity to be Baptized, if you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized. Baptism is not a thing that you do because it's a religious box that you check. Baptism is a thing that people do who want more. You want more of the presence of God. You want more public declaration, publicly declaring you're actually a son of God instead of your parents doing that for you when they sprinkled water on you, which was a fine ceremony to do. When someone gets in there, they're saying, they're not just saying, I'm going under the water and I want to drown my old self and I want to leave the dirt and the sin dead in the bottom of the tub. And when I come back up out, I'm coming up new, just as Jesus was in the dirt for three days and he comes up out of the, out of the ground with power. I want to come out of there with power because I want more in my life. I want more of God in my life. I want more of His presence in my life. I want more of obedience to God in my life. One of the commonalities between men and boys, if you boil it all down, there's five of them. I wrote a book on that. You wouldn't know because you never bought it. But if I bought a, a... (laughs) <laughs> there's actually five different between men and boys. I'm not going to go through all those five different things, but the one through line throughout the whole thing is is boys are passive and men are aggressive. Boys just allow things to happen to them. Boys just wait for the government to take care of their problems. Boys just wait for their parents to say sorry. Boys just wait for their wife to get her stuff together. Boys just wait for, for, you know, good things to happen. They just they just wait. They just buy their time. They assume it's going to happen sooner or later. And if I'm just a nice boy, like church tells me, just be a nice guy. So my good friend Dave over there, just be a nice guy. Things will be OK. Maybe I'm so sorry about this because I was so, so slow on the uptake. Um, I wish someone told me this when I was 15, 16. Dave, my, my good friend, I told you, my best friend from high school, you know, he, he got this a bit more than I did because he would do things like study. <laughs> I thought that was the craziest thing that you would study. I never studied. I didn't, I didn't understand. If someone had told me, hey, Brian, your diligence in school could actually enable you to have more opportunities, more doors open and more money and more motorcycles. If someone had helped me understand that, I might have taken it seriously, but I just, eh, whatever, life is going to be fine. I was, I was incredibly passive. Um, the, the church I started, Crossroads, only started because God stopped me from being passive. I was making, I don't know, what was I man uh, a family of four making, I don't know, household income, of, at, that, at that time I think $30,000, and we were renting a house that was three hundred and twenty-five dollars a month and was on an acre of land. And I used to go to my brother-in-law's house and I said to my wife one time, We were we were just married and I we looked at this like four-bedroom house and I said, see this how good you'll never have this. This is to be real clear. <laughs> you'll never have this. Because I could never see at my salary how I could ever save it for a down payment and have a mortgage. I had this house for 325 bucks because of my my wife's uncle who had this house and he wasn't using it. It was a little itty bitty house, but it was ours. It was an itty bitty house and it was an acre of land. And there was a fireplace in it. And one day we're coming home, Lib and I were coming home and we come inside the, inside the uh, driveway and there's candles on inside the house and this cute little Cape Cod house in the middle of the woods. And we said to each other, oh, we're never going to leave here. This is great. It was just a dream for us. Never say that to your wife anyway. Never say it before God because what God hears a man say when he says that is, you don't want more. You don't want challenge, do you? You don't want hard work, do you? You don't, you, 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 you don't, you really don't want the difficult steps to get to. All of us would like more, but we don't want those. So what happened, what God had to do is he had to burn our house to the ground. And that's exactly what happened. Not too long after that, I don't know, a month later, Woke up in the middle of the night, smoke all through the place, and scooped up my kids. Woke up because my, um, my dog had uh, woken us up, and uh, then we believe he died in the fire. Because as a parent for dogs, they'll they wake you up, but then they don't have a sense of it's smoke. I got to get outside where it's fresh, fresh air. And so I run to my neighbor's house, got two kids in my arms. It's, it's three days after Christmas, it's like 20 degrees, and I got my underwear on backwards, going going through, going through the snow and I got my kids and I'm going to the neighbors, knocking at house at, the door at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And we went in there and we, we saw, we walked through their window. He brought me a bathrobe. We watched through the window as the fire spread from room to room in our house and just saw all of our comfort disappear right before us. All of our, all of our false contentment just vanished right before us. That was the thing that God used to get me to start the church called Crossroads, which enabled me to do all the things I'm doing right now. Uh, God had to rip that out of my hands. because He's like, no, no, dude, I I, I want more for you. You might not want more for yourself, but I want more for you. You you, you might not think that you can do more, but I think you can do more. You might not think you can handle more, but I think. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys right now, the kind of guy that would come to this event, is the kind of guy God wants more for. You're, you're in the 1%. The 1% of men that are warm to God, that want God, the 1% that are open to hearing the voice of God, the 1% that want something different. You're like, you, you could have done, you could have stayed home and done Netflix. You could have done whatever you normally do, gone to the normal bar you are, but you came here, some of you with people you didn't know, and I just want to call on you. That's awesome. It's a, it's, a, it's a reason why your heavenly dad is so into you because you wanted more when you came here. I want to encourage you, when you leave here, there's something more God wants from you and He wants something more He wants for you. Do not give up on that thing. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't think that you'll never get, you. you can through God's, provision, and God's help, and it's about you taking steps with Him. You want to get married? You can get married. You want to have kids? You can have kids or you can adopt. You want to have a business? You may be able to have a business. (laughs) That's how God's wired you. I just feel, I just felt for this talk, some of you need to have the lid of religion taken off the top of your life. The lid of capping of assumptions on your life the lid of limitations that people put on you of what you can want and do and not do. You have an adventurous dad who is a huge builder and is a huge dreamer and is a huge doer and his DNA runs through you. Get after it. And we're going to baptize over here because some of you are going to, some of you are going to, are going to drown that those old limiting lies, the dirt in your life that just, it's just caked on you and you need to come out of that tub with a fresh, invigorated relationship with Jesus. That tub there is for anybody who has received Christ. But uh, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do some of this. So let me pray for us. Lord, you are, um, you are a provider and you are a stimulator. I think you stimulated us for the last 36 hours. I know in talking with some folks, we've had things broken off of us that were growing on us and weren't right. Just like as I picked a tick off of me this morning, some of us have had ticks that have been sucking the blood out of us, but I think you just pulled it off. And um, well, I just have an image right now. Um, when you pull off a tick, there's a red spot there, there's a soreness, there's an itchiness. It's not, it's not immediately okay, there's still a healing process. Father, I ask for your sons that got a tick popped off of them. You'd help us be patient and manly with dealing with that redness and soreness. It will go away, guys. It will go away. Endure. Have your eye on Christ and the more that he wants for you. Thank you for these sons, these brothers, and these friends. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. Oh, hey, one more thing. Uh, on the more, uh, I, I'm hoping one of the things you recognize is you want more friendships. Uh, you want it's, it's just like if you if you want more money, you just don't go out and make more money. There's things you've got to do that eventually will catch up. If you want more friendships and you want more bonding and you want more just connection to eliminate that tick of loneliness, you're going to have to f- do something. So figure out, before we leave here, what that is. Maybe it's emailing people who you're with around the campfire. Maybe it's putting on your calendar, I'm going to meet with this guy. But fig- I don't know what it is for you, but figure out what it is. Those problems don't go away. We might have plucked that tip- tick off, but that redness is still there. So, uh, so go after it, guys, All right. all right? Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com, find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.